everyone. Welcome to Too Legit to QT with me, Darquea Connor. Today I am so excited because I am with writer and director of Quit, Dick Rude. Welcome to the show, Dick. Hi, Koya. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. I'm so happy that you're here. Like I said earlier, I love your hat. Thanks so much. <laughs> I love it. Where are you located, Dick? Uh, I am currently in Los Angeles, California. It's a small town on the West Coast. <laughs> small town. I love it. I feel like your hat makes me think that you're like in Texas somewhere or like, you know, somewhere Western. Um, my mind is in Texas. My body is in Los Angeles. I see. You know what? I love that. I feel like my body, my mind is here in New York, but my body is in Italy somewhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> can I join you, please? Yes. We can just sit on the coast of like Santorini and drink like, um, what's what, what are they? Aperol spritz. <laughs> I, I don't even need to drink anything. Just take me there. Yes, yes, yes. This pandemic has just, oh, I have the travel bug. Have you had the, um, have you have you been traveling during the I pandemic? I have not. No, we're planning to go away uh, in next week. We'll go to um, to uh, Haley, Idaho for Fourth of July, which is uh, going to be beautiful. We always go. It's sort of small town Americana vibe with the Main oh, yeah. Street Parade and the fireworks and the community uh, pancake breakfast, and uh, it's just about as outdoorsy and beautiful as it gets. I love that. I love that. And then, so your film Quit actually took place in, let's see, um, in a national park. And that was such like an interesting location. It, it was filmed in Joshua Tree. Was it actually filmed in Joshua Tree or is that just the location that was set in the film? Well, not uh, actually not in the park itself, but the um, the city of Joshua Tree, and then um, just below that in Yucca Valley, mostly is where we filmed everything. A little bit up in Pioneer Town, uh, mm -hmm. so in the vicinity of Joshua Tree. Um, it, I think the desert. Uh, you know, the story is about a couple that go away to the desert to quit smoking together. I think the idea is that by going away to the desert, that mentally and physically you can sequester yourself from these demons that might normally uh, be upon you when you're in your home situation. And so, uh, you know, the two of them decide, well, this is the way to do it. We'll go away to somewhere and that way we'll overcome these demons and we'll do it together. Um, which if anybody's ever tried to quit anything, it's sort of, uh, you know, ridiculous to think that someone's going to help you do that. It's really uh, improbable. Um, and so the quitting smoking uh, it really is a metaphor for their relationship. Uh, mm. And then, you know, the desert being so dangerous, uh, the landscape of the desert just naturally being a dangerous place, um, mm. I think it's very much also uh, uh, analogous to their relationship. Hmm, that's so interesting that you say that um, because I, 
I was wondering the different symbolism in the film. Um, so, okay, they're in the desert. That's interesting. But I know, like when I first when I first began to watch the movie, um, I was like, okay, this is about a couple, and they're trying to quit smoking. But I also saw so many other themes in there because for some people it might be smoking, for other people it might be like weight loss. For me, I love ice cream. I was always like a chunky child. Um, I love to eat, and sometimes I just I'm like, oh. Like when I've tried to lose weight, like now I've gained this like pandemic 20 pounds. I'm like, I just wish I could just isolate myself and go to like a camp somewhere where I didn't have like the weight of the world on my shoulders yeah. or all of these outside influences so I yeah. can focus. So at first I was like, oh, okay, this film is about, they're going away to Joshua Tree to focus. But really, as the story unfolds, you see that they're struggling with various addictions, like mm -hmm. um, with, let's see, Jul Julius, with Danielle, with like, she has the pills, and then Julius, he like, he wants to start drinking, and even mm -hmm. um, their relationship with them, like, they, they need something, like, they're, yeah. they need you know, like either they're trying to have sex or they're just like so mm -hmm. irritable. Um, so it's interesting that you said that it's a metaphor for their relationship because they are working through their their problems. Like they talk about a kid at one point and how they're not yeah. ready. And I thought that it was incredibly hilarious. I'm not trying to give them away. But when he was literally sitting in water that it was sewer water mm -hmm. and it was that symbolic as well of like their relationship and how they have like all of this like this 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 internal like baggage and garbage that they need to get rid of very much so and also just the uh, the idea that men always need to be right about stuff you know this <laughs> idea of like i'm going to take you to this relaxing place and it really it turns out to be literally, you know, a sewage uh, collection pond. <laughs> and of course he didn't know that, but it, it's just so typical of the way men think in general. Um, and and also the, you know, the, the acumen of women to recognize that most of the time too, that, you know, like, boy, he's clueless, you know. <laughs> um, but you, you really did nail it on the head in the beginning uh, of what you started to say, which is that, um, this isn't specifically about quitting smoking. Uh, this has to do with any type of uh, excess that people have in their lives, whether it's working out or uh, workaholic or mm -hmm. you name it. If you've ever done anything in excess and recognize that you just don't have any balance in your life at all or any control over that substance, whether it's a, you know, a physical or metaphysical substance, um, you know, this is this is really what it's about in the sort of psychological and mental drama that you go through trying to battle that, you know, that thing that controls you. Um, mm. So when I was um, casting the film and I was reading actors and actresses, a lot of the comments that I was getting afterwards were it, it was like you were in my room when you wrote this. You know, you heard mm -hmm. these conversations that I've had word for word with somebody. And I kept hearing that over and over again. And I recognized that I really did tap into some kind of core um, idea that, uh, that that people or not idea, but but uh, dynamic that people have with one another in relationships or 
that they have in their relationship to whatever substance it is that seems to control them. Mm. So it's, it was pretty exciting at that point, even before I made the film where I went, oh, I, I kind of I nailed it. You know, I, I, I focused in on what that thing was and, and people get it. And so, mm. like you said, whether it's about weight loss or, or smoking or, or sex addiction or whatever, uh, mm. uh, it's that, it's that thing that, does seem to come across in the film. Hmm, I love that. Um, um, when I was watching it, I said, you know, typically when you see a story about people who are trying to quit smoking or the dangers of smoking, it's like that after school PSA where it's yeah. like, don't smoke and this is yeah. what will happen to you. Yeah, um, well, that makes people want to smoke. You know, when yes. you see those... So you see those things and someone wagging their finger, you, the, the, your first thought is, I should try that. Yeah, exactly. And then, and that is the narrative that's pushed on children and teenagers where it's like, don't do that. And then it becomes even more alluring. But I really liked how you decided to take, um, take, this story and make it a narrative and then find teachable moments, even with the bartender. Um, you know, it reminded me of like the commercials with the woman, women or men who are smoking cigarettes and how they have like mm. the circle in their throat. Yeah. Like when I watched those commercials growing up, like you said, I didn't pay attention to it. I was just like, here we go. But yeah. when the bartender was talking, I paid attention and I said, oh, that's really interesting. Um, what made you decide to make a film about smoking and to create a narrative about it versus like a documentary? Um, well, like I said, I was really trying to explore the, uh, the dynamic of a relationship. And so in, mm -hmm. in making a documentary, I don't think I would have been able to fulfill that. It mm -hmm. would have been much more factual and much more opinionated and, and I've made documentaries before, and I love documentaries, but at the end of the day, I don't think there's uh, any there's such a thing as an objective documentary. Hmm. Um, whereas you can have an objective fictional narrative. And like you said, uh, I'm not telling people smoking is good or bad. I'm just saying this is what people go through. You know, uh, hmm. you can do it or not do it. That's your choice. Uh, uh, by the same token, you know, with um, the this sensuality and sexuality uh, displayed in the film, whether it's between them or the idea of, you know, even smoking, you know, just the the swirling of the smoke, this sort of eroticness of of whatever it is, the desert or the smoking or the or their physical relationship. Um, it, those things are normal and should be embraced. They're not, you know, everything has, everything is good and everything is bad. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. You can take something that seems really beautiful and lovely and make it really bad by overdoing it. And, and vice versa, you can take something bad that, you know, could be minimized and really isn't that bad and, and blow it up into something, you know, that's a wagging finger. And so, um, the the idea is to have an awareness to be able to make those deci decisions or choices, um, and not just be you know led along by um, by what somebody's telling you to do or or not having a choice at all. 
Yes, and you could tell that it definitely wasn't preachy. You know, um, it was elevated writing for the the smart thinker. I think um, sometimes when you're watching content, you can get like you said, like you said, there's just this agenda that's pushed, or it's almost as if like you're telling the audience what to believe and how to think and how to feel. And with this film, you could definitely tell that you were allowing the audience to make their own conclusions and to just watch and be an observer versus formulating an opinion for them. Have you always been drawn to writing conscious content? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, uh, I started writing at an early age and, and people around me in my family were saying, oh, you're going to be a writer. And it never occurred to me that I would. Honestly, I didn't even pursue it. But in my teens, I started writing screenplays. And one of the first full-fledged screenplays actually uh, morphed into what became the film Repo Man, which I also co-starred in. So um, I got a contributing writer's credit to that and really had a lot to do with the making of that film. And from there, you know, I went on to write many other screenplays, uh, very few of which were actually produced. But what I found that was consistent in my writing was um, wanting to draw up how ridiculous humans are in the first place. You know, we take ourselves so seriously. We really think that we are the, you know, the God's gift, uh, that we're better than any other living creature and um, that that we're infallible. And the truth is we are so flawed and so imperfect. Yes. And the best way to show that I find is through uh, satire and irreverence and, you know, and and being able to influence people by by them being able to laugh at themselves or at human situations. Um, so I think it is intrinsic to the way that I write. I try I try not to think too much about it. It really does kind of just kind of I try and tap into something that's a little more organic because once I start getting in my head, it becomes more about my ego and I try to remove my ego from my art because it usually ends up horrible when I when I have it in there. So um, that that's kind of the starting point for me. Wow, that's so beautiful. I love that. Um, we interview a lot of filmmakers here on the podcast and that's like a consistent note is like not having an ego um, because filmmaking, whether you're creating, like you said, writing the script or you're hiring a crew or directing, collaborating with actors, it's such a collaborative process that there mm -hmm. can't be um, any ego involved in it. And I consistently hear that note from filmmakers, producers, directors, actors, consistently. They're just like, no ego. You can't, you can't have an yeah. ego. Well, you, um, and the truth is in, in filmmaking, that's where you find the biggest egos, you know, these personalities, whether it's the actors or the writers or the directors. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of the films that get made, even when I was a kid and I was trying to figure out how to, how to do it, you know, what I found out right away was that the majority of films were made by people who were able, who either had the money or were able to cobble the money together, who really didn't have a story to tell. And it really was about their ego. And, you know, you can take that and sort of put that over uh, uh, as a mat over what's going on today, which is that anybody with a camera really can go out and make a film now. 
and, and potentially get it seen because you, all you need to do is just post it online. You know, you don't, people, people, it's not the same platform. People aren't making movies for the same reasons. And um, so it becomes more about, uh, do you have the talent to do that? You know, the egos are always going to be there, but how do, how do, how does the talent rise above? How does that place, like I was saying that, um, the creation from something organic and meaningful flower enough for people to be able to smell that or, or see that or recognize that or embrace that, uh, you know, or, or is it just like before where you get lucky and, um, you know, something hits and you have a name and then you have Netflix want to pay you half a billion dollars to do three series of it, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I try to stay out of that. I never made movies to make money. I always made them just to, you know, cause I had to. Cause you're, I love that. You had to, you're like a true artist. I love that. And so for quit, did you, I saw an IMBD pro that you wrote, that you co-wrote the script, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's true. Um, right, with William Glasser. Can you tell me a little bit about your co-writing experience? Um, I know that there's so many people now, it's like, like I said, consistent collaboration. And I think sometimes people, uh, when you speak to um, new filmmakers, new writers, it's like, I have to write everything and this has to be my own original content. But then you look at these TV shows and there's multiple writers. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit about your co-writing experience yeah i mean again i'm not really attached to taking all of the credit and um uh, i did work with william glasser he's my my longest oldest friend that i have and we've always shared a love for filmmaking and uh, had always wanted to write something together and so this was our opportunity to do that and um you know it, it was pretty collaborative although i'd say that i pretty much dragged him through it <laughs> you know <laughs> forced his hand to the paper as it were um but i'm happy that i did because i think there were times where i definitely got lost in the weeds with um, the dialogue and the story and he was able to sort of uh rectify and and steer the ship clear of the rocks so uh it, it turned out pretty good. I mean, I don't, you know, I, I was on my way to making another film when this happened. Uh, we were waiting for the full, um, not just the financing, but um, for our A-list actors to be available to make another film. And uh, and this one came up and we thought, let's just, let's just do this real quick. So um, we, we got it, we got it going and got it done. I love that. I love that. And did you kind of start it off? And then, like you said, he just went in and kind of like helped with the dialogue and whatnot. So you created the bones and he, you know, put the meat on it. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I took him hostage is more than like this situation. I really, I just said, you're doing this. We've always talked about this. You're doing this. I, I went up to Sacramento where he was living and I planted my butt in his room for a week and i said this is what we're doing you can participate or not and you know he, he was working his job and he'd come home and look at me like what are you doing here and i'd say come on now you got to help me out if you're gonna if you put your name on it you got to participate and so he'd 
sit down and read what I wrote and help me through it and then write a few pages or help me change dialogue. And so that's kind of how we worked. And I really took the lead, but took him hostage. <laughs> we got to talk to William about that. I bet you he won't say that. He probably no, won't. No, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> You seem like you're incredibly sweet. I bet it wasn't like that at all. <laughs> I'm actually from the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm from Richmond, which is right next to Oakland. Um, yeah. so Sacramento is like an hour away. So yeah. I love the Bay Area. It's just like its own little little nook. Um, yeah. So um, it's really interesting because I don't want to give the ending away, but the ending's very interesting. I did not expect that. Usually an ending is rosy and sweet or incredibly detrimental. But this one, they just kind of went back to their, yeah, their life. You know, life is, life is uh, unpredictable that way and mm. uh, is very matter of fact and is not... Um, Life is not a movie. It's not a happy ending or a sad ending. Sometimes it's just life and uh, mm -hmm. you don't get to tie it up in a bow. And so mm -hmm. I think that that's kind of how it is. I think that's really what I was saying about all of these, even, uh, the whole story. It's not so much about whether something is good or bad. It's really about having an awareness of it. So mm -hmm. it exists and so is the first step in uh, helping yourself, whether you want to do something or don't want to do something and you're doing it anyway, is having an awareness of it. And so mm -hmm. I think this was sort of that exclamation point, which is, um, this is life, you know, this is this is real. Uh, it, it's one of the things that I really started to dislike about films um, in the last couple of decades was the lack of nudity and um, because they were turning it into something that was really un, uh, abnormal and disgusting, oh. that you weren't allowed to show a man's naked body or a woman's naked body when they got out of bed and walked to a, the bathroom or the shower, mm -hmm. that they had to cover themselves up. Like, that's not normal. That's not okay. what we do at home. There's nothing sexual about that. It's right. just normal. And um, the body is beautiful and it should be able to be shown without creating this ugliness and stigma about it. Um, this is why people have all of these issues about their bodies in the first place. So uh, I think it was along those lines where it's like, I I'm not telling anyone what to do and I'm not trying to edit any of it either. You know, it's just, this is what it is. Uh, it's hard and sometimes it's fun and sometimes it feels good. And sometimes it really hurts, you know? Mm -hmm. I love that. It's like paying paying homage and tribute to real life. And I think that that creates a more authentic story, especially when you're creating conscious content like this. So um, I love that. I love yeah. that. Um, what advice can you give other filmmakers who are trying to make conscious content as well? Um, I don't know. Um, just I just try to be real, and I don't. I don't know. That's something you can teach somebody. You know, mm. I, I just don't. I think uh, you, you you're either honest with yourself, and then you can be honest with others, or you're not. Uh, you know, I, I 
I hear people trying to sit down and write a hit song. Like, you know, for me, it, when you sit down and try to write a hit song, it's never going to be a hit song. The, you, <laughs> you, you automatically take the soul away from it the second that you say you're going to do that. So mm-hmm. it's, it you just, just comes right. from, yeah, it just comes from a place of, um, that, that's much more, um, uh, from a place of love, I think that's probably mm-hmm. the best advice I can say is, you know, just um, do it from a place of love. I love that. That's beautiful, Dick. You're so poetic. <laughs> I like you like to say, like you got me over here tearing up. Um, let's see. So um, we're coming to the end of our podcast, but we always ask everybody um, this question. Oh, wait, one more question. So this technically wasn't released, but you are releasing it now with Stripeback Studios, correct? Correct. Um, what can people like expect? Where can they find it? Um, and and all of that jazz, because you actually created this 11 years ago, correct? Yeah. And it's yeah. being released, so that's exciting. Yeah, well, thank you, Koya. Uh, and thank you for having me on. Um, I guess this is the way that I'm getting the word out is through the kindness of yourself and others that that are expressing an interest in it. Um, As far as where it's available, uh, I think check in with Strikeback Studios to see where it's streaming. But uh, from what I understand, it's on most platforms. Um, I really don't know. I, you know, what uh, the short story is that when I finished the film, we got hit by with the um, financial uh, crush of 2008. And so mm-hmm. there wasn't any money out there to distribute the film and certainly not a film that was as real as this one. And mm-hmm. um, so rather than just try to, you know, trudge through it and, and, and make it land nowhere, I just put it in the closet uh, because I didn't really, again it just wasn't about my ego and needing to have it out in the world and be validated by that so i left it to be and um at one point i think there was an offer for someone to own it forever and they would give me 10 grand and you know they would have the rights to stream it and i just thought it's just not worth it Uh, you know i'll die and one day my kids can put it out or something you know But um, but uh, Noor, who uh, is at uh, Strike Back, had, was the one that was trying to spearhead the distribution deal in the first place. He was the one that um, circled back to me and said, hey, this movie deserves to be out in the world. Um, people have been contacting him and me over the years, every year, wanting to know when they can finally see it. And so uh, I relented and said, yeah, let's put it out. I don't care where. Just get it out in the world and let's see what it does. So. I we'll love see. that. This is exciting. Yeah. So check out check out strikebackstudios.com. You'll be able to find where this is streaming. Um, and let's see. So I do have one more question to ask you. Okay. Um, what ignites your motivation and how do you stay consistent and persistent to follow your dreams? Um I'm constantly revising that. I don't know what my dreams are. Mm. I, I'm constantly trying to figure out what it is that makes me happy in life and and how to do that and where to find that. Mm. Uh, I think that just being still, meditating, you know, being present and in the moment, 
can help uh, me or anybody recognize the beauty of the moment. And really it is all about the journey and not about the achievement of that thing mm -hmm. that you think is going to make you happy. Um, the, the, the writer and philosopher Thich Nhat Hanh said it best. He said, happiness only exists in the moment. Uh, you can't look for it in the future and you can't take it from the past. You can only stop yourself and make the decision to be happy in the moment. And so that said, uh, that's all you got, you know? So trying to find it anywhere else or in some sort of plan, or if I only had enough money or if I wasn't, you know, doing this thing, but doing that thing, none of that, none of that really matters because uh, it only exists in the moment. Dick, what? <laughs> you said you don't know that. I don't think anybody has answered that question as eloquent as you have. <laughs> like, yeah. That is amazing. And you even quoted a philosopher. I love that. I love that. But I think the thing that I love the most is that you said you're constantly reassessing and reevaluating that. And I think that that like, it's like, ah, there lies the rub right there. Yeah. That I don't think it's this, like you said, it's this one destination. I believe that you're constantly having to be present and tune and put that in check with where you're at and where you want to be and taking in the moment, like you said, and reevaluating like what makes you happy and being grateful that you're here and that you and that you are alive and you have all your faculties that you can be present as well. Yeah. So yeah. That is absolutely beautiful. Dick, are you on social media at all? Instagram or Facebook? I'm not. Okay. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. Website, anything digitally or I, I don't, I mean, you know, it's just, I, I have a website, but really I don't think it's been updated in about 20 years. So uh, okay. not worth, not worth looking at really. Uh, I think, you know, it's go see the movie is really what I want people to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or, or in this case, stay at home and watch the movie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Check in with Stripe Back Studios. Dick, it was a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. I wish you all the best of luck. I know that you're going to keep creating conscious content because the world needs more filmmakers like you, more writers and directors just like you. <laughs> thank you, Koya. Thanks again for having me on. And uh, uh, thank you to Legit to QT. Yes, thank you, Dick. And just stay on for one second afterwards, just so I can uh, say thank you once again. And thank you, everybody, for watching. We'll see you next time.